outside of Nashville, Tennessee. This is the award-winning podcast, Reality. Good evening, everybody, and thanks for listening tonight. I'm Sandman, and I'll be your guide through this strange realm of ghosts, cryptids, UFOs, aliens, conspiracy theories, and other unsolved mysteries that I like to call para-reality. Well, I'm sure that you've all been wondering where I've been during the month of March. Man, I'll tell you, I've had some personal stuff that I've had to deal with, so the podcast had to take a back seat while I dealt with some real-world shit. And, uh, you know, I'm not one to divulge a lot about my personal life, but I might get into it a little bit at the end of the episode tonight, but I'm I'm not too sure about it. Um, it was uh, it's a bad thing that I had to go through, and um, like I said, uh, the the podcast had to take um, had to take a back seat. You got to do what you got to do when it comes to your personal stuff. You know, you got to take care of it, and uh, unfortunately, that's that's what I did. It was something that was uh, unexpected. Nothing planned, and uh, yeah, I may I may talk about it, but uh, I don't know. Maybe not ready yet either. But anyway, don't want to make this depressing. So since I've missed a couple of episodes, that means that I've got some making up to do. And I've had tonight's topic on the books for a little while now, and I was actually scheduled to record it back at the first of this month, but, you know, stuff happens, and I had to put it off. But you're getting it tonight, and I'm going to be recording another episode in a few days to kind of get me back on track, kind of do the best that I can. So tonight's episode is all about Bigfoot, or rather, it's all about the paranormal side of the big hairy creature. Did you know that Bigfoot can telepathically communicate with us? Bigfoot can shapeshift and dematerialize at will or cause you to have an experience of lost time so you think that he dematerialized? Did you know that Bigfoot lives in another dimension? He can have contact with, live with, or possibly even be himself an alien and has lived here on the earth longer than the human race. Well, according to a growing number of researchers, this is all true. Bigfoot are much more than large bipedal primates. They're much more than mammals lying somewhere between humans and apes in development, language, and culture. They're also a lot more than just inhuman spirits. Bigfoot are our spiritual, technological, cultural, and intellectual superiors. And if we let them, they'll be our teachers and our guides. Now, that's a lot to swallow, and I'm not so convinced that it's all true. However, I'm open to the idea of it all. And I do personally know someone who believes in a lot of what I just described Bigfoot as being. And I've sat down and talked to this person on more than one occasion about his beliefs in Bigfoot and what Bigfoot is and what Bigfoot can do. And 
And while I respect this person as a uh, paranormal researcher, a Bigfoot and, and uh, UFO researcher, uh, I'm not so convinced that everything is true. But like I said, I'm, I'm open to the idea. But to learn more, you'll have to turn on, tune in, and find out. And something that I haven't done for a little bit is do fan mail. And you know, it's one of my favorite segments of the podcast. I haven't done one in a little while. So uh, I thought I would bring that back this episode. And this actually isn't a fan mail or an email or a Facebook comment or anything like that. This actually comes from a this a, a friend of mine who I was talking to and he personally asked me about some tips and tricks for paranormal photography. Um so without getting into a lot about this because that's a whole that's like a topic for a whole podcast episode right so um, without putting a lot of of wasting a lot of tonight's episode time in, in talking about it I'm just going to give you the, the the very tip of the iceberg on this the first thing you need to do is you need to invest in a really good camera I recommend digital camera you can get a film camera they're fine if you can find them but you need to invest in a really good digital camera. now you don't have to go high-end and spend you know two thousand dollars on a digital camera you but uh, spending a couple hundred uh, on a on a nice digital camera is something that's paramount it's very important a lot of people like to get cameras that have been uh, rigged to take infrared or uh, night shot uh, pictures, and if you can afford to get a camera that's like that, then I say go ahead and do it because it's only going to help enhance what you see. Um, but you have to take what your environment gives you. In other words, go in with an open mind. Don't go in there with, I know that something's here, and I am determined that I'm going to capture it on film or digital. Because if if you do that, you will make something out of nothing. You will find stuff when something's not there. So go in with an open mind. It's okay to want something to appear or to want to capture something, but don't expect it. Take what the environment gives you. And everybody seems to be hung up on orbs. You have to take those with a grain of salt. Just because you see an orb in your picture does not necessarily make it something paranormal or supernatural. There are ways that you can determine whether that orb is something normal, like a speck of dust or something of that nature, or even a bug. Um, If you're going to uh, look at your evidence very, very closely, which you should. You shouldn't just willy-nilly put stuff out there and say, I've captured this. If you're going to look at your evidence very closely, you need to learn how to tell the subtle differences between what an actual supernatural or paranormal orb would be versus something that's very easily explained and mundane and normal. 
And once again, that's like you cover paranormal photography, you cover a whole episode. And, and I may just wind up doing something like that. Uh, also, if you're going to do digital uh, film, um, you need to, once again, invest in a good quality camcorder. It doesn't have to be the $5,000 camcorder like they use on Ghost Adventures and, and uh, all that sorts of stuff. Uh, but you do need to, to drop, be prepared to drop, you know, three or 400 bones on a camera that's got some infrared or night vision capabilities on it. You don't need to go cheap, but you don't have to go high end either. Something middle of the road will work just fine. And once again, you need to make sure that you um, go in with an open mind. Don't expect to capture anything. Take what the environment gives to you. But also you need to be very, very skeptical of any evidence. Your goal when you're collecting your evidence and you're reviewing it is to debunk everything. And once you get down to something that you can't debunk, then you only have one explanation, which is something that's unknown or unexplainable. So those are just a couple of little tips and tricks for paranormal photography or videography, which really would be to, you don't have to do high-end equipment. You can do middle-of-the-road equipment. Get what you can afford. Obviously, don't go in debt. But the most important thing is take what the area gives you and be very, very hypercritical of all the evidence that you gather. So thank you, my friend, for asking me that question. I really enjoy uh, answering viewer or viewer listener emails and questions. So if you've got a question that you want to ask on the podcast, if you want me to answer it, send me an email sandman at parareality.com that's sandman at parareality.com or you can uh, slide into my DMs on Instagram and Twitter. My username on both of those accounts would be at parareelradio so at parareelradio Instagram and Twitter if you want to DM me there or email me sandman at parareality.com and I will answer any and all questions here on the podcast. So now that I've answered that question, I want you to take a listen to this. Error Reality is a proud member of the Straight Up Strange Podcast Network. To learn more about all the awesome podcasts that are members of the Straight Up Strange family, go to straightupstrange.com and get strange. Hey! How would you like to be an agent of chaos? What is chaos? It's the knowledgeable apprentices of Sandman, and that's what I call my Patreon account members. I'm looking for new agents, and I'd love it if you'd sign up to become one. There are three levels of agents, and all are extremely affordable, $5 a month or less. Each level offers exclusive content, along with the ability to help create podcast episodes and even the chance to be a guest or a co-host. To learn more, head on over to patreon.com slash parareality. 100% of the proceeds from Patreon goes back into producing quality content for this podcast. You are listening to the Parareality Podcast, your information source for conspiracy theories, UFOs, the paranormal, and all things unexplained. New episodes drop the first Friday of every month at 8 o'clock p.m. Central U.S. time. Listen on your favorite podcast station. Turn on 
tune in and find out. If you wish to change, you must first lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. Well, I knew something was sounding funny in that, and I realized I still had the uh, background music from the email segment rolling in the background. I was like, what the hell is going on with that? And then uh, I realized that, that uh, I had hit the button, but I didn't hit it hard enough to turn the music off. So, yeah, and you know what? I'm not editing that out. There's too many people these days that go to the nth degree to edit their podcast episodes to make it, like, spot-on perfect. And if you start doing too much editing, you're never going to be happy with the with the outcome. And I'm not not saying that I don't do editing because I certainly do, but I'm not editing that out. That's just stuff happens, man. That's not going to affect the quality of the show, and I don't think that you care really either. So there you go. Anyway, I digress. Let's get on with the next topic, and let's talk about the paranormal aspects of old SAS. There are many theories about Bigfoot, and the origins of the cryptid are still up for debate. We can adapt a certain saying and state that wherever there are two Bigfoot researchers, there are three theories of Bigfoot's origins. The scientific materialist-minded believers stand firm. Bigfoot is a fellow hominid. Others believe that Bigfoot is a dimension-hopping creature who can be spiritually contacted. And a third group believes that Bigfoot's a member of an alien species, a visitor from the stars, if you will. That third group also has more than one group inside of it. So it starts to get complicated here. Now, there are many compelling reasons to follow the argument for extraterrestrial origins with many paths in it. So let's explore some of these paths today on this podcast. Is it possible that the creature known as Bigfoot, Sasquatch, or by several other different names all over the world is an interdimensional being? Could Bigfoot even be an alien? Those theories are now in play with both Bigfoot and UFO researchers. They're called the United the <laughs> I can't even say it. They're called the Unified Paranormal Field Theory. So let's take a closer look at each one of these. First of all, Bigfoot is an interdimensional being. The paranormal world is becoming more connected than most people realize, but it seems that many in the field are beginning to recognize that. Have you ever stopped to think that many of the classic signs from human encounters with otherworldly beings, things like ghosts, aliens, and Bigfoot in there, that they have similar signs, whether they're sudden disappearances of the creatures in question, fast-moving objects, or strange lights? A lot of researchers have, and they're starting to think of the fields as being interconnected, and they're taking like a holistic approach to their investigations. Now, back in the day, it used to be that ufologists didn't talk to the ghost hunters or the paranormal investigators because they were too weird, and nobody wanted to talk to the Bigfoot researchers because they were thought of as crazy. But that's all starting to change as more and more researchers are connecting 
these unseen dots that say they all tie these three fields together, forming the unified paranormal field theory. For example, take this. More and more squatchers are reporting seeing more and more orange orbs as they do their squatching. Now, orbs are fast-moving lights that are usually more associated with ghosts and spirits than they are with Bigfoot hunting. However, they're becoming more associated with the big hairy creatures than ever before. A theory that's going around out there is that these mysterious orbs are something like transporter beams for Sasquatch. And as evidence of this, many Squatchers report seeing things like a set of Bigfoot tracks that seem to just stop mid-stride, like the creature certainly suddenly vanished into thin air. There have been reports of people following the tracks of a Bigfoot who was stalking a deer, only to have both set of tracks mysteriously disappear, kind of like Bigfoot caught the deer and then suddenly both were transported away, presumably for the poor deer to become the tasty snack for old sass and friends. If this portal theory proves to be true, it could solve one of cryptozoology's biggest unanswered questions, which is, if Bigfoot's real, then why can't we find any bodies? Of course, the answer are portals. The living Bigfoot simply teleport the dead ones away, thereby ensuring that no dead Bigfoot or Sasquatch will ever be found, no grave will ever be defiled, and thus keeping the secret of the Squatch intact. Now, many, many people are reporting these orange orbs in the forest and the woods when they are doing their Sasquatching, their Squatching, their Bigfoot hunting, whatever you want to call it. And they're not there looking for ghosts or spirits. They're there looking, seeking for Sasquatch. And it's nighttime, and all of a sudden they're seeing orange orbs dance about all over the forest and also having Bigfoot encounters, whether they see or hear Bigfoot or have stuff thrown at them like rocks, hear the grunting or the howls, or get that uneasy feeling that they're being watched. And they're associating all of this as being something that is tied in together with Sasquatch and these orange orbs. Now, there's no known explanation for these orange orbs. They don't know where they come from. We don't know what they are. We don't know why they're there, especially why are they being seen at the same time as Sasquatch. Are they some sort of transporter beam, as I said earlier? Is it actually what the Sasquatch or the Bigfoot turns into to get away from the people who are hunting him? Do they transmute into some ball of orange light? and whisk themselves away through the woods. Is that why we are seeing Bigfoot tracks that just mysteriously disappear? Are they being transported somewhere? You know, hit the communicator button on their hairy chest and say, beam me up, Scotty? Or are they transmuting into some orange orb, some weird form of matter that we can't explain and flying off into the darkness? 
Well, we don't know, um, and we probably never will, unless we can get some sort of video evidence of Sasquatch doing just exactly that. And that's going to be really, really hard to do because, you know, old Sass is, he's, he's camera shy. He doesn't like to be filmed or uh, have pictures taken. So the second thing we're going to talk about is Bigfoot being an alien. So another theory says that where a UFO sighting occurs, the chance for a Bigfoot sighting greatly increases and vice versa. So if you plot out UFO and Bigfoot sightings here in the States, what you get just might be a little startling to you. When you list the top 10 states for UFO and Bigfoot sightings, six states have both. And this is just in uh, no particular order here, okay? Alaska, Colorado, New Mexico, Wyoming, Washington, and Oregon, with Washington and Oregon high on both lists. So everything is out west and a lot in the northwest, right? So you don't get a lot of correlation east of the Mississippi River. So if we go ahead and we play with the idea that there's a causal link and not just a correlative one, we still can't strictly say that Bigfoot is in command of the UFOs or in league with the UFOs. It's possible that alien visitors are coming to examine our Earth here and they are just fans of Sasquatch and are interested in observing them. But a lot of researchers believe that the link goes a little deeper than that, that the Bigfoot can use these interstellar craft, these UFOs, in some shape, form, or fashion. So let's time travel a little bit back to 1973. There's a lady named Rafa Hetfield, and she and her 13-year-old son were sleeping in a trailer in Cincinnati, Ohio, on the morning of October the 21st, 1973. Rafa woke up at 2.30 in the morning to get a drink of water, and she noticed some strange lights in the adjoining parking lot. So she started looking out the window, and her attention was drawn in particular to an inexplicable cone of light that was shaped like a huge bubble umbrella, about seven feet in diameter. And then nearby, she saw a grayish ape-like creature with large downward angled snout, no neck, and what she described as a, quote, sizable waist. It was moving kind of slow, and it then entered into the light. And about five minutes later, both the creature and the UFO, for lack of better terms, they both just disappeared. Another dramatic incident happened a few days later on October 25, 1973. This one involved a group of farmers in Fayette County, Pennsylvania. They caught sight of a dome-shaped UFO that was brightly lit and about 100 feet in diameter. And as these men drove toward it, they saw a pair of gargantuan creatures covered with thick matted hair They had luminescent green eyes and long arms that dangled below their knees. Kind of ape-like, right? So one of the farmer's sons fired a a gun 
at these creatures, one of which raised its right hand in the air. And at that very moment, the UFO just disappeared. Then the two Bigfoots escaped into the woods and were never seen again. Another case, a dairy farmer by the name of William Bosack. He was out of Frederick, Wisconsin. He was coming back from a co-op meeting at about 10.30 at night on the 9th of December, 1974. So you fast forward a little over a year. And he nearly slammed his vehicle into a globular UFO on the road right in front of him. And its bottom half was shrouded in a fog. And inside the visible, transparent dome was a six-foot-tall, ape-like creature with reddish-brown fur covering its body everywhere except the face. And it had distinctive pointed ears as it appeared to be operating a control panel as well. And Bosak passed this UFO by trying to get out of there, and it suddenly rose up off the ground and just disappeared again. Now, in August 1976, after a series of UFO sightings around Rutland, British Columbia, Canada, several men and their children saw a hairy-like, hairy ape-like entity that was six to seven feet tall roaming around the, the mountainside. They also found a clump of hair that was sent to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police for identification, and laboratory analysis confirmed it was primate hair, but significantly it could not be matched to any known species on Earth anyway. So if Bigfoot is an alien, we have to come, we have to, come to terms with several new questions here. Bigfoot is so similar to humanity that it's almost certain we're linked in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Similarly, we're linked with other primates. And using DNA, we can follow this trail through the entire realm of Earth's biosphere. But if Bigfoot has control of these UFOs, and if that activity is linked to a wide range of unexplainable paranormal phenomena, then we need to re-examine what we think we know about life on Earth. Did Bigfoot develop this technology while evolving alongside humanity? Or is life here seeded from Bigfoot's home planet, like the panspermia hypothesis, right? So in other words, the implications of Bigfoot being an alien are, well, they're enormous, spilling out way beyond the realms of crypto, and ufology. Its confirmation would be the complete rewriting of so much of our history here on Earth, making that idea all the harder to ignore here. Maybe, just maybe, Bigfoots are, they're piloting these UFOs, landing here on Earth for some sort of exploratory reason, for exploratory purposes, or maybe higher-level ETs are leaving behind some specimen as like guinea pigs to test our environment for long-term survival, and that's what Bigfoot are. Or possibly these Bigfoots are 
criminal entities being deposited on Earth as a form of cosmic deportation or putting in, you know, cosmic prison. Maybe that's what Earth is as a prison planet for these creatures. Something to think about, right? What Bigfoot's doing here, how they came to be controlled by the UFOs, and what that means for the origin of Bigfoot and even life on Earth are just, they're hanging in the air. These questions are just hanging there. But buckle up now because the theories are about to get a little way more out there. Now we come to the third part. Is Bigfoot a supernatural creature? One of the craziest theories out there is that Bigfoot is a supernatural being who can telepathically communicate with us. The earliest record of telepathy of Bigfoot came from the Native Americans. Many Native American tribes claim to have seen Bigfoot and have spoken of him as a beast with supernatural powers. Various Northwestern tribes professed that these mystery creatures killed with hypnotism by throwing their voices. The Sasquatch creatures could turn their voices into human voices that could be heard only in the mind. Although these tribes didn't fare well with Bigfoot, others have had contrasting opinions of him. Now, Back in 2007, a husband and wife named Donnie and Lynn had an interview with Mysterious Universe where they discussed their telepathic communication with Bigfoot. The couple had been trekking through the, uh, and I'm going to blow this name, I'm so sorry, the Wachita National Forest Park when they came upon an ape-like creature. Now, this beast was large, bulky, and extremely hairy. It had brown fur with hints of white mixed in there with it. And the two were, of course, understandably, immediately frightened until they heard a kind, feminine voice in their head that said, and I quote, Do not be afraid. You will not be harmed. Do not come closer. Let me repeat that. Do not be afraid. You will not be harmed. Do not come closer. This statement supports the claim that Bigfoot mimics the human voice, but it doesn't paint him as the violent creature that the Native Americans experienced. And this is only one of many incidents in which people claim to have spoken with Bigfoot telepathically. There was recently a documentary release called Sasquatch Speaks, where over 10 people recount their conversations of the mind with Bigfoot. The patrons in this documentary discussed their experiences with Bigfoot, how they communicated, and how they helped them. These experiences aren't totally matched, but a common theme among them is the kindness that Bigfoot shows and the soothing human-like voice that Bigfoot has. Now, one of the women in this documentary spoke about Bigfoot's healing powers. Bigfoot's purpose is unknown, but this could have had uh, something to do with it. Other powers this creature is said to have is the ability to shapeshift, change the weather, and regenerate the rainforest. 
Bigfoot's been considered an environmentalist, and with the constant crumbling of the earth going on right right underneath us, maybe that's why he was sent here. Overall, this theory on Bigfoot's hard to prove, but worth researching. If he does have supernatural powers, an investigation into that, in my opinion, is highly necessary. Bigfoot could be kind or he could be evil. He could be on earth for humankind or to benefit himself and his quote-unquote alien race. Although this idea is far-fetched, no one's going to truly know who or what Bigfoot is until we acquire quality evidence. So until then, theories and claims will keep buzzing through the media and the internet. And with that, I want to talk about my top 11 wild conspiracies about good old sass. So whether you believe in Bigfoot or not, chances are you live pretty close to somebody who does. Bigfoot or Sasquatch sightings have been reported in every state but Hawaii, I think, over the course of many, many centuries. In the process, a number of bizarre theories have been put forth to explain how these creatures came to be, how they reproduce, and constantly evade us. So here are 11 top crazy Bigfoot conspiracy theories. Number one is a DNA test proved that Bigfoot is part human hybrid and deserves U.S. citizenship. Now, way back in 2014, a Texas veterinarian named Melba S. Ketchum claimed to have provided via a Sasquatch DNA sample, have been proved, excuse me, via a Sasquatch DNA sample that the creature is partially human. And she even went so far as to insist that the government recognize these creatures as, I quote, an indigenous people and immediately protect their human and constitutional rights. Of course, nothing ever came to fruition with that. Number two, the government secretly removed burned Sasquatch corpses from Mount St. Helens after the eruption in 1980. And this is one that's been floating around for quite a while, one that I'm very familiar with. Now, there were a few witnesses who said that after Mount St. Helens erupted, uh, that they saw federal government helicopters carrying off the charred remains of several Sasquatches from the area. And prior to the eruption, Mount St. Helens had already been a hot spot for these supposed Bigfoot sightings since uh, the 1920s. And in fact, so many of these stories were recorded that a nearby gorge was eventually named Ape Canyon. Now, there's been no proof, obviously, that um, the government took any bodies of Sasquatch from Mount St. Helens after the 1980 eruption, but it's one that's been around there for a long time. Number three, Bigfoot is really a caveman. In 2007... A man named Robert Wilson from Vancouver Island claimed to have seen what he thought was a bear. So he uh, did a little further investigation and saw what could he could only describe as a large, hairy man who looked caveman-like, sort of like uh, Neanderthal-type features. He described it as being as big as a bear and tall 
as tall as a bear standing up on its hind legs or even taller. Now, expanding on his claim, there was a History Channel documentary in 2011 that proposed that the Sasquatch might not be a giant ape at all, but could be a species of prehistoric human. So I doubt that is the case, but, you know, there are a small subset of people who actually believe that that is true. And, of course, number four is Bigfoot is really an alien. We just talked about that. So um, this is like a a two-for-one deal. Uh, I told you about um, all of the theories behind, or some of the, not all of them, but some of the theories behind Bigfoot being an alien, so I'm not going to, Spend a lot of time talking about that again, but that's the number four crazy conspiracy theory. Number five, and this just blows me away here. Actually, a lot of these, the next, uh, the next like th- four topic, the next four, <laughs> I'm sorry, the next four uh, theories just. Just blow my mind here, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So number five, Bigfoot is really a giant ground sloth. While most experts believe that Sasquatch is some kind of a big, hairy primate, a few think that these creatures are actually surviving giant ground sloths. Now, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail on that as to why, but... Um, if you want to look it up, just type in Bigfoot is a ground sloth, and you'll be surprised at what you will get in a Google search. Number six, Sasquatches occasionally sodomize domestic cows. Now, there are more than a few farmers out there who claim to have witnessed a male Bigfoot getting intimate with some of the more unfortunate cows. This is actually on record, as these people say in this. Once again, Google it, and you'll be surprised. Google Sasquatch sodomizes cow, and you'll be surprised at what comes up on your Google search. Number seven is Sasquatches appear in the Bible. This is taking a a little bit of a stretch. There's a, a few modern creations out there who are arguing that the giants are briefly mentioned in the book of Genesis uh, as Bigfoot. Now, are the, should I say that the, the giants who were briefly mentioned in the book of Genesis were Bigfoot? Um, I, I don't know where they're getting their, their intel from and why they would, would say this, but it is a very, very... Far stretch. Let's just put it that way. It leads us to number eight. 10% of Sasquatches might be gay. <laughs> so our famous zoologist, probably one of the most famous zoologists of them all, Lauren Coleman, he recalls having once lightheartedly wondering aloud if 10% of the Bigfoot population matching the figures we have on Homo sapiens, might be gay. And a few days later, he got a slew of angry emails denouncing him for calling Bigfoot a homosexual. 
And if you want to read about this, you can go to Lauren Coleman's website and read all about it. It's uh, laurencoleman.com, L-O-R-E-N-C-O-L-E-M-A-N, laurencoleman.com. Number nine, Sasquatches bury their dead. Now, this isn't a very far-out-there theory as far as I'm concerned, but one of the most jarring questions for Sasquatch investigators or Bigfoot researchers is that if Sasquatches are real, then why don't we ever find the bodies? Many believers argue that, not unlike modern elephants, these elusive cryptos will take their dead to some common ground place and deposit them there or actually bury them. Um, of course, there is the the theory that I talked about, about uh, Bigfoot being a transdimensional, being able to warp in and out of our dimension at will using some sort of teleporter beam, a la the orange orbs. Number 10, the government captured a live Sasquatch back in 1999. Uh, Back then, there were a number of simultaneous fires that were going through the Battle Mountain in Nevada. Supposedly, there was an injured Bigfoot that was spotted in the, the fire, and he was rescued and taken to um, some government official location for treatment. And I don't know how many people claim to have seen this, how many people claim to know about it, but I have heard rumblings about this. I don't know that much about it, but I've heard rumblings about it. You can um, go to this place called the uh, Sierra Tahoe Bigfoot Research Blog, Sierra, S-I-E-R-R-A-T-A-H-O-E, Sierra Tahoe Bigfoot Research Blog. And you can read a summary of this event. It's not uh, a verbatim uh, uh, retelling of the tale, but it is a summary of the event. Once again, that's the Sierra Tahoe Bigfoot Research Blog. And number 11 is Bigfoot calls have been documented and can be easily mimicked. Now, believers feel that Bigfoot calls are diverse and distinctive, as you see in the uh, Finding Bigfoot show that was airing uh, on uh, Animal Planet back a few years ago. So, people think that a Bigfoot howl or a Bigfoot whoop is something that they can just go out and, and do. Well, you can, but just not that well. You have to have a lot of experience, and you have to have heard a lot of Bigfoot or Sasquatch howls before you can even begin to try to um, mimic that. But the danger in that is is you don't really know what you're saying. You may think you do, but you don't really know. There's no translation app that you, you know translate Bigfoot speech to human and vice versa. We don't have uh, a, a stone tablet with writing on it from Sasquatch. You don't have stuff like that. So the danger in going out into the the wild and doing a whoop, Bigfoot call is you don't know what the hell it is that you're saying. 
That could be anything from, hey, don't come near here. I'm going to kick your ass to, uh, hey, why don't you come over here and fight me? All the way up to, hey, I'm horny and I want some sex. And no one wants to be raped by Sasquatch. At least I don't know of anyone that wants to be raped by Sasquatch. That just sounds nasty. So in conclusion here, to wrap this thing up, if first of all, if you want to check out some more information about Bigfoot's paranormal connections, here's a few suggestions for you. There is um, always this podcast here, the Bigfoot UFO Connection episode of my podcast that I did way back in September of 2014 is a very interesting show that tries to connect these dots between Bigfoot and alien technology or or aliens, period. Now, there's a link to it on this episode's description on the parareality.com homepage. You can just click on that link, and it'll take you right to it. Or you can just search in the archive section until you come to the episode that's titled The Bigfoot UFO Connection. Another thing is the Bigfoot Alien Connection documentary. Now, this is available for free on YouTube or on Amazon Prime. I have actually seen this documentary. It's very well done. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with everything that they're putting forth in it. Um, They don't make a strong case, in my opinion, for Bigfoot being an alien, and they kind of stray away from that a little bit, but it's a very well-put-together documentary. And the third thing is the Paranormal Bigfoot documentary available for rent on Amazon Prime. I don't know how much it cost. I looked at a little preview from it, and it did not look like it was going to be a very good uh, investment in my hard-earned money. I'm not going to poo-poo it. I'm not going to say it was, you know, don't buy it, don't get it, or that it had any useful information. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I didn't see it. But it is a documentary about the paranormal aspects of of Bigfoot. So if you want to look at it, I say go ahead and spend the $5 or whatever it is to rent it. Now, despite all of these crazy theories, the fact remains that we don't have any idea just yet of what Bigfoot really is. In theory, he could be anything. He could be a flesh and blood creature, a missing link between Homo sapiens and some long forgotten species. He could be an alien creature that's not of this world, either here for exploration, deportation, imprisonment, experimentation, you name it. Or maybe he's not any of those. Maybe he's some sort of interdimensional being, a creature able to travel between the two worlds, one that only he can exist in, and then our world. Asking if someone believes in Bigfoot is a lot like asking if they believe in Jesus. In both cases, an affirmative answer tells you very little. In the case of Jesus, you have to follow up the question with several more, like are you a Baptist, Catholic, Methodist, Jehovah's Witness, or any of the other, insert your Christian religions here? Are you conservative or liberal? And with Bigfoot, it's kind of the same. You have to ask, do you think that Bigfoot is an animal or a mammal? Is he a physical being or a spiritual being? Is he from the earth or is he from another planet? Some Bigfoot researchers 
are going to passionately argue that those who believe that Bigfoot is something more than a relic population of Gigantopithecus hurts the cause. And making that makes all Bigfoot believers, all Bigfoot researchers, look a little loony tunes. Others argue that if Bigfoot science is going to put so much emphasis upon personal experience and eyewitness accounts, then it cannot ignore the incredible number of people who have claimed to experience Bigfoot as an intelligent, vocal, social being or as some sort of spirit being with powers far beyond what we possess as humans. Sometimes the debate turns nasty. Each group accuses the other of being so blinded by their own preconceptions that they're unable to see the truth. One person rejects another's account because it doesn't match with their own. When it comes to Bigfoot, just as with Jesus, there's a multitude of groups and individuals each claiming to have possession of the one true faith. The diversity of opinions about the nature of Bigfoot is probably a mark of power of the belief in Bigfoot in the lives of these people. For a lot of people, Bigfoot is obviously more significant than lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Bigfoot takes over lives. Bigfoot moves in next door. Bigfoot lives with families for generations. For some, Bigfoot is a forest god leading our technological society away from our fallen ways and back toward the Garden of Eden. For others, Bigfoot is that secret part of ourselves, hidden from others, but central to who we are. For some, Bigfoot is the core of the community. Bigfoot believers are like a church. They're people to gather with, who share our concerns, our hopes, and our dreams. People who share our fantasies and our realities. And whatever the nature of Bigfoot turns out to be, whether physical or spiritual, whether terrestrial or cosmic, whether human or animal, whether fact or fantasy, the image of that hairy creature that lumbers out of the night is, for the true believers, clearly something beyond any of these dichotomies. In my personal opinion, Bigfoot is a flesh and blood creature Nothing alien or supernatural about him. Whatever you think doesn't really matter. I say that because there's way too much evidence that there is a Bigfoot to simply ignore. It doesn't really matter what kind of creature he is. He exists. He's out there. He's both watching us and avoiding us at the same time. Why? Maybe it's because he knows that we're too violent of a species to interact with. Maybe he's just waiting for us to destroy ourselves so he can reign supreme. He is, after all, a meek and shy creature. And Psalms 37, verse 11 from the Bible says, But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves and the abundance of peace. And that, my friends, brings this episode of Parareality to a close. 
I hope that you enjoyed tonight's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And before I close it out with the usual rant, please just take a minute and listen to one more thing here. Did you like being scared? Does the feeling of your throat tightening fear leaving you unable to scream exciting? If the answer to these questions is yes, then you should listen to Scared to Death, stories of suspense, science fiction, and horror. Scared to Death airs the third Friday of every month at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Tune in for the fright of your life. things are going in the world? Have you always wanted to save whatever was on your mind without having to listen to someone bitch about it or suffer any repercussions? Well, me too. That's why I created the Set It Off podcast. I'm sick and tired of the stupidity that's going on around here, and I'm going to let everybody know how I feel about it. So hop on board this train and fasten your seatbelt because I'm about to set it off. Set It Off can be heard on your favorite podcast station. New episodes drop on the fourth Friday of every month at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. You never know what I'm going to say next. Would help if I unmuted my mic, wouldn't it? Hope that you enjoyed tonight's episode of Parareality. If you want to leave a comment about this episode or anything else about the podcast, let me tell you how you can get in touch with me because there are a few ways that you can go about it, and here they are. The best way is to email me. It's the quickest, easiest thing to do. My email address is sandman at parareality.com. That's sandman at parareality.com. Or you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash sandman.parareality. You can post a message on my wall or send me a DM right there. Slide on into those DMs. And if you have a Twitter or Instagram account, you can follow me on both of those, too. I've already told you how you can touch me there. My handle, my username on both is at Radio. That's at Radio, all one word. Slide into those DMs there, too. Finally, you can always call the podcast on the studio line here in the secret bunker. That number is 615-692-1170. Once again, the number is 615-692-1170. Just call and leave me a message on the studio line. But I want you to remember this. If you do decide to leave me a message, you're giving me permission to play your comment back on the podcast. So if you don't want that to happen, you'll need to let me know somewhere in your message. Now, don't worry about me revealing names if you don't want your name revealed. I will not do that. All you have to do is tell me. And even if you don't care, I still will not reveal anything other than maybe a first name or maybe a first name and last initial or some combination of that. 
and I will not give out personal contact information such as your email address or your contact number, your phone number, should you decide that you want to leave something like that for me, which I don't know why, unless you want me to get back in touch with you, which I've actually had that happen before. Um, so those are all the different ways you can uh, get in touch with me. And remember, if you call the studio line, 692-1170 with a 615 area code, if you leave me a message, that's giving me permission to play that back on the podcast. So if you don't want that to happen, you need to let me know. Now, I'm always looking for interesting stories with the podcast, so if you've got a story you'd like to get on the show, tell it to me over the voicemail. Call that number, 615-692-1170. Leave me a message. There's a three-minute time limit on the voicemail, so if you run out of time, call back and pick up where you left off. Or email it to me or send it to me in a uh, DM. So those are all the different ways you can get in contact with me here on Parareality. And please don't forget to visit parareality.com. That's my website. It's a place where you can keep up on all the latest paranormal news from all around the world. I've got an entire page devoted strictly to paranormal news and events, and that content is updated almost daily. You can also shop in the Parareality store and get some swag to help support the podcast. You can watch some of the terrible videos that I've made for the podcast over the years. They're horrible. I know it. Feel free to make fun of them. Uh, you can listen to the podcast archives there. I do have an archive section, and all of my archives are available for you to listen to for free. I got tons of audio on my website from the various incarnations of Parareality throughout the years, along with my other podcasts, Set It Off and Scared to Death. You can find all of that content for free, like I said, on the archive section of my website. That's parareality.com, so be sure that you check it out. Parareality can be heard on your favorite podcast station. Just search for Parareality. If you have a smart speaker, you can listen there too. If you got any of the podcast skills activated on your device, just say, hey, Play the Parareality podcast, and there you are. I've also got a YouTube account, and you can listen to the podcast there, too. It's also full of some great videos like UFO and paranormal documentaries, a news segment called News of the Strange, and it's also got those terrible videos that I did on my short, short-lived, horrible, horrible, horrible web TV show. Um, a lot of people listen to the audio of every podcast on YouTube. I don't know why, but it's a thing. So uh, if you want to do that, you can, or you can watch some of the documentaries or the other little short videos that I've got. i got some chemtrail videos up there and stuff like that. So to find the channel, just go to youtube.com slash user slash parareality1. That's the number one. youtube.com slash user slash parareality1. Or just search for parareality1 on a YouTube search bar. So... Uh, I didn't know that I was really going to do this, but, you know, sometimes talking about things makes it feel a little, make, make, it helps. So, you know, uh, I told you back at the top of the podcast, I, I uh, talked about the elephant in the room, which is I, I was gone for pretty much the entirety of March. And I think I owe you an explanation why. So um, my dog, Mary Jane, she's, 18 years old. She's a senior dog. I've had her since she was two, so she's been part of my life for uh, 16 years. 
Well, during a routine vet check not too long ago, um, they did an x-ray and they found a mass growing on or near her liver. They couldn't be sure. Didn't know if it was cancerous or not, but it was a rather large mass. And uh, the recommendation was to get an ultrasound. So uh, on, um, you know, I've been kind of dealing with that and trying to arrange uh, oncology visits and stuff like that and didn't have a lot of time to to, uh, devote towards the the podcast. But I thought I'll only miss one week. You know, it should be fine because she was fine. She was doing really good. And um, uh, on Tuesday, March 15th, uh, she had an appointment to um, have an ultrasound. And my dog was not supposed to be sedated for any reason because uh, she was 18. And um, she her kidneys weren't functioning all that well. So anything that they gave her for sedation... Uh, she would have a hard time clearing that out of her system. But uh, somebody at the uh, oncologist office thought that uh, in order to do a non-invasive procedure on my senior dog, who wasn't supposed to be sedated, that person thought that sedating her was a good idea. And uh, she came home and she wasn't right. She was very confused and lethargic, panning a lot, wouldn't eat or drink, when she did, she would vomit it back up. and So uh, this went on for a couple of days. And on uh, St. Patrick's Day, um, I tried to get her back into the oncology clinic. And uh, they wouldn't see her. They were like, you know, it was just because uh, she, she, she's elderly and she's having a hard time clearing the anesthesia. So don't bring her back here. Take her to your local vet. So I called up my normal veterinary office who has been seeing Mary Jane most of her life. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're not going to have a veterinary until uh, Tuesday. That's five days away. So, you know, you can bring her in on Tuesday. Didn't even offer to help. And we've been clients of these people for many years. So to make a long story short, if that's possible by now, I wound up just calling local veterinarians' offices, and I found one veterinarian who was like, if you can be here in 30 minutes, we can see your dog. They could tell I was upset and, and that something was wrong with my dog. And we're probably, uh, probably going to break down during this, but I need to say this. I got her out to the truck. She was walking. She walked out to my truck, and I was going to put her in it. And She got as far as the front bumper of the truck, and she just collapsed and went unresponsive. And um, I couldn't revive her. I couldn't, I couldn't wake her up. So I threw her in my truck, and I was driving down the road. The vet's office was only like five minutes away. I was trying not to, I was trying to obey the traffic laws, but at the same time I was panicking and I had this dog and I was trying to give her CPR and drive at the same time. And it only took me like five minutes to get to the vet, but it was such a long five minutes. And I busted in and I had her in my arms and I was screaming, please someone help her. 
least I want to help my dog. How did she get pneumonia and and, and they got her back away in two days? How did this happen? Immediately well, because someone put her on the vet's table, sedated they, my uh, dog, started an IV. They gave her some oxygen, and some uh, X-rays and stuff, and the vet was like, um, "She either she's got pneumonia. She had a really high fever. It was like 105. Tried to drink something. And I didn't know. Got into her lungs because she was, I don't know." But they couldn't save her, even though they tried. And um, I wasn't expecting that. It was it was a very hard day, a very bad day for me to go through. But uh, my beloved Mary Jane passed away on St. Patrick's Day. March 17th, Thursday, 2022. She passed away in my arms. And, um, oh boy. I want to say to the uh, the staff of uh, Village Vet Clinic, you guys know who you are. Um, I want to thank you when nobody else in the world gave a damn to try to do the right thing by my dog. You did, and I really appreciate it. She was a part of my life for a very, very long time. I'd had her since she was two years old, so she was with me every day, constant companion for 16 years. And now she's gone. She's not here, and my home is a little, it's really, really empty, and uh, my heart is broken, and I'm very, very sad, as you can tell. And I hate to end the podcast on something like this, but I just needed to I needed to let you know. I needed to tell you guys because uh you guys are always with me and uh I appreciate um all the the listeners uh who loyally listen to the show. And uh I've had I made a, a one social media post, just one, and uh, I've had uh some people who have contacted me um, based off of that and uh, expressed their condolences and and, and uh, have reached out to me to make sure that uh, I'm doing okay and that my wife is doing okay because she was more, she was my wife's dog too. And uh, you guys, uh, you know who you are, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for uh, the listeners that wrote in and checked on me and my wife, my friends, my colleagues, in the paranormal field and in the world of podcasting who uh, checked in on me and my wife. You know, things will get better. Uh, it's just uh, it's kind of like losing a child. I don't have children, and she was my sweet baby girl, and uh, I'm going to miss her every day. And uh, I'm sorry to end the podcast on such a shitty, sad note, but uh, like I said, I needed to, I needed to say this, so... Um, Thank you for bearing with me if you're still here. I appreciate it. And uh, to my beloved Mary Jane, my sweet baby girl, I love you so much. And I'll be seeing you again one day. <clears throat> Everybody, the next episode of Parareality will air on April 1st, April Fool's Day at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. So make sure that you turn on, you tune in, and you find out. And this episode of Parareality is 
being dedicated to my beloved dog, Mary Jane. I love you so much, baby girl. Everybody, I hope this podcast opens up your mind to new ways of thinking, expands your consciousness, and produces a change in the way you see the world. If you wish to change, you must lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe. I hope that you have a great day or a great night. Don't let uh, Debbie Downer here uh, mess you up too much. I'm I'm sorry, but I just had I had to get it off my chest. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful evening. I'll see you again on April first. Good night, everybody. If you wish to change, you must first lift the veil of ignorance that has been cast over your eyes. Only then will you see the true power of the universe.